0: We thank the Lord that you are here this morning. If you would take your Bibles and turn to uh, Exodus chapter 34. We're going to start there. We're going to be in various passages of Scripture this morning. Uh, Our subject is the subject of anger. And uh, we're going to talk about God's anger and man's anger. And uh, I, I made an interesting observation... Uh, really interesting uh, this week while reading over this subject in light of Scripture. Um, I notice with regards to God's character in Exodus chapter 34, the Lord Himself is speaking to Moses when Moses is up on the mount with the tablets of stone ready to get the second giving of the uh, commandments of God. And in Exodus 34, 6... You'll notice that the Lord Himself is speaking. Now, all the Word of God, uh, all the, the Bible is the Word of God, but there are times when God Himself speaks. God the Father, and then, of course, God the Son. And God the Father is speaking here in Exodus 34 6. And the Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious. Some translations here have long-suffering. You could translate it slow to anger. Abounding in goodness and truth and keeping mercy. But I'd like you to notice that one characteristic there that the Lord speaks of concerning Himself, slow to anger. What's really interesting is that that same phrase God wants to see in our lives, and that's found over in James 1.19. If you like to flip around in your Bible, I'd like you to look at it, uh, James chapter 1 and verse 19, and look at the exhortation here for us as believers. And keep in mind what we just read in Exodus 34. James one nineteen says, So then my beloved Brethren, brothers and sisters in Christ. He's speaking to the assembly of believers. Let every man, everyone, every believer be swift to hear. Three things in this verse. Slow to speak. There it is. Slow to speak. But notice the last one. Slow to anger. Slow to wrath. That's the same thing characteristic that God uses of himself but you'll notice he wants that to be in our lives as well and then we'll talk about this a little bit later uh, because he continues and he says for the wrath of man verse 20 or the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God wow we have a heavy-duty subject course us this morning as we consider God's anger and man's anger. And, of course, anger is um, a strong feeling of displeasure. And sometimes it's caused by others. Sometimes it's caused by things or occurrences in our situation. Um, but it is, and, and the best way to uh, describe it is uh, a, a strong feeling of displeasure. Uh, The book of Proverbs has a lot to say about anger. Um, Proverbs 14.29 says, He who is slow to anger. There it is again. Now that's the third time we've seen this. So what's it teaching me? It's saying, look, if there are things out here that cause you to get angry, do it very slowly. And of course there's a reason for that. Because if we get angry on impulse, we can say things or do things that we might regret, right? So you see, it's very clearly stated in Proverbs 14:29: He who is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. Uh, the New Living Translation translates it this way. Those who control their anger have great understanding. And this is what we want to have. Now, we're going to mention this again, but there's basically there's two kinds of anger. All anger isn't bad. There's justified anger. Sometimes we call this righteous indignation. And there's unjustified anger. And when we conclude in a few minutes here. Uh, We're going to conclude with the fact that whenever we get angry, we have to ask ourselves the question, is it justified anger or is it unjustified or unrighteous anger? And uh, we'll tell you why we need to do that as we move along. Would you not agree with me that there is much anger in our society today? More than we've ever seen really before. That is in our society. Um, In the political scene, there's tremendous anger. In the media, there's anger. Um, Those who are retailers in stores, oftentimes... In fact, I've had clerks tell me, I just had an angry customer. Uh, There's much anger in in, in the social media and uh, out on the road... I never remember in the 50s and 60s hearing that term road rage. We sure hear it now, don't we? Road rage. People in all walks of life can get angry with each other very easily. This past week, just in our area, we heard of another drive-by shooting in Dallas. Did you hear about that one? man was sitting at a bus stop, not a part of anything, just waiting for a bus. and a gang member was, gang members were shooting each other and killed this man. Get angry at each other. So we get a gun. We take care of things. And then uh, that one that some of you saw on the Internet, where that man struck that woman in Disney World, the news media said, "The happiest place in the world. They're getting very angry at each other. The happiest place. I don't think that's the happiest place in the world, by the way. Especially when parents have to lay out so much money for all that stuff. (laughs) But um, what a thing to see on the internet uh, of a man. And he didn't just strike a woman once, he did it more than once. Anger. It's big out in our society. And uh, it's very concerning. In fact, it's a good reminder for us as believers to be very careful that God does not want us to be living in a state of anger. That one nineteen of James, <clears throat> again, the three exhortations in James one nineteen. everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. <clears throat> and the second part of that is For the wrath of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. And uh, I I learned this many years ago, of course. um, uh, I I looked at that phrase and it just reminded me. Getting angry at somebody doesn't usually accomplish what we want it to accomplish. Isn't that what the verse says? Or am I misinterpreting it? Now, there are times, again, I'm going to say this. I might have to repeat it. There is righteous indignation. When when someone hurts you without uh, provocation from your your side of the spectrum, uh, when somebody hurts those you love, I mean, you're going to get angry. So not all anger is unrighteous anger. But some of it is. And um, one of the things we're going to conclude with is, when we think of anger, we need to first of all make that decision to determine, is it righteous Or is it unrighteous anger? You know, there's a lot of things. Um, Somebody told me just yesterday, just yesterday, this person said from our fellowship, I just hardly can watch the news anymore to see what even those in government want to do or those who want to be ruling in government. People want... uh, And and this is some of the things this person mentioned, okay? Uh, Open borders hatred towards local police hatred towards federal immigration authorities approval of recreational drugs acceptance of public schools allowing children to have abortions without telling parents outlawing of private health care, health insurance the acceptance of barbaric behavior in public, I thought boy that's quite a list I mean, that's interesting. I guess this individual is being realistic and saying, it's one of the reasons I don't want to watch the news so much anymore. There are plenty of issues that can get us angry. Now, when we think of the subject of anger, we read in the Word of God that God does get angry and we get angry. So, what we're going to do, we're going to look at both aspects of anger. The first one we will look at, of course, is God's anger, specifically as seen in the Old Testament. There's a phrase you can keep in mind when you think God's anger. God does get angry. Okay? But His anger is always righteous. It's never unrighteous. It's always under control. In fact, I found some verses, uh, if we have the time, uh, where where God's anger actually does produce good. The verse in um, James said that the anger of man doesn't always work out for the goodness or the righteousness of God. It doesn't always bring God's desire into play when an individual gets mad and tries to get something to happen. It doesn't always work out the righteousness of God. Don't don't lose that James 1.19. But God's anger is very different. It is a righteous response to specific human failure and sin. When you look at it in scripture. And uh, remember I already said God cannot be angry in an unrighteous way. There's a phrase in the Bible that really helps your theology of understanding God. And it's a statement by Abraham when he is conferring with the angel of the Lord before the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And in Genesis chapter 18, verse 25, Abraham made the statement. Remember he's saying if there's 50 righteous people there, will you destroy it? There's 40, 30, 20, 10. And by the way, there wasn't 10 righteous, were there? No. The destruction came down on Sodom and Gomorrah. Was it properly done? Yes, Was there uh, enough time for people to repent of sin and turn to the true and living God? Of course, the answer is yes. But Abraham asked this question. And this is a good... If you mark your Bibles, this is a verse you want to mark. It's Genesis chapter 18, verse 25, where Abraham makes the statement to the angel of the Lord, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? That is really good. Shall not the Judge of the whole earth, everybody on the earth, shall not He do what is right? Implied answer, of course, is yes. He always will. God's anger is His anger is His righteous response to specific human failure. Now we're going to think a little bit about the things that get God uh, make God angry. You could probably start your own list. <laughs> you could say I know some things that get God. Angry? All right. I I found several, and I'm I'm just going to mention them to you. The first one I found in Exodus 22, 22 to 24, and let me read it, and you'll catch it right away. Exodus 22, 22. Do not take advantage of a widow or of an orphan. If you do, and they cry out to me, the Lord said, I will certainly hear this I will hear their cry, and my anger will be aroused. So the first one we're going to mention, the um, unjust um, treatment of a widow or an orphan angers God. And it happens in society. Now, you're you're going to say, that's maybe a weak illustration. But I remember years ago, I used to work for a car dealer. And... uh, people in our church fellowship would come by when, even when they didn't buy cars from us, you know. And uh, once in a while, some of the widows in the fellowship would come by. They just bought a car. And they bought a car with a million options on it, the biggest model, the most expensive. And you know what that salesman did? He racked up a good sale, didn't he? And I used to say to myself, that's awful that he would sell This lady, this car, she doesn't need all those options. That's taking advantage of someone. And God says we really need to be careful that we treat widows and orphans carefully. The other uh, verse that I found immediately was in Deuteronomy 4. Listen to this one. It says, "...take heed to yourselves, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which He made with you. Do not make for yourselves a carved image." An idol. Well, did the children of Israel do that? You better believe it. They made idols and images. They became enthralled with the nations around them that had their different gods and goddesses. Specifically what the Lord said, do not do. Don and I visited the uh, uh, the, um, museum in Chicago, the Chicago Museum, and uh, I had to get out of there. Uh, He said, you sure you don't want to stay longer? I said, we've got to get out of here. Because in this museum, from all the different cultures in the world, there's all these idols and images. And I'm saying, I said to Don, I said, exactly what God said don't do, the peoples of the earth have done. They've made idols and images. And Now we would say, you know, I would never bow down to an idol or an image. Well, we need to be careful though. Because in... First John, the Apostle John, ends 1 John, that letter, by saying, little children, born-again ones, keep yourselves from idols. So we need to be very careful that we don't make an idol of something and bring the anger of God into our own lives. There's another one. Um, the anger of the Lord is seen when He is not trusted. Wow. I'm looking at these and I'm saying, boy, these, these are, this is interesting. The anger of God. I don't know if I've ever studied separately the subject of the anger of God before. You know, we like the other attributes of God. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's a God of love. He's a God of mercy. But He's a God of wrath. But His wrath, remember, is always justified. He's never trying to get people. You don't have that sense in the Bible. That's not our God. He's a God of compassion. And when He brings judgment, it's righteous judgment. And there's a verse that tells, well, in fact, you just read with me Exodus 34, 6. And in that verse, where it said God is slow to anger, in that verse, there's that mix of his other characteristics. He's merciful. He's compassionate. He's loving. But he is also slow to anger, and he does get angry. God does. Well, here's another one. When God is not trusted, Uh, I'd like to ask you, can you think of an example in Scripture with a true believer? God got angry at a true believer. You know, like you and me. He can get angry at us. (laughs) How about Moses? Did God get angry at Moses? Yes. God asked Moses to deliver the people of Israel from the land of Egypt. And he said, Moses, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to teach you what to say. I'm going to be with you as you communicate. You don't have to worry about having the right words. And Moses said, Oh, Lord, can't you find somebody else? (laughs) And it says in Exodus chapter 4, it says the Lord said to Moses, I will help you speak well, and I will tell you even what to say. Exodus 4.11, Exodus 4.13, but Moses pleaded, Lord, please send somebody else. And then Exodus 4.14 says, And the Lord became angry with Moses. Rightfully so. Because um, Moses had this, at this time, strong feeling of inadequacy. Now, we have to handle this subject carefully. But, you know, if the Lord asks us to do something, and we're sure he's asking us to do something, then we need to step out by faith and do it, right? Isn't that true? Sometimes, you know, that feeling of inadequacy... Should Moses have felt inadequate? Apparently not, because God said, look, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to give you the words to say. I'm going to give you the words to say to Pharaoh. I'm going to give you the words to say to the people of Israel, Moses, I want you to go. Oh, Moses says, can't you send somebody else? Wow. So, yes, sometimes lack of trust in the Lord really gets God angry. It provokes him. In fact, the thing we, the principle we need to keep in mind is God rewards faith. You know, when you say, okay, here's a new assignment, something God wants me to do maybe you've never done before. And you say, I'll do it. Somebody asks you to teach a Sunday school class. Somebody asks you to help in a youth group. Uh, somebody asks you to go out witnessing. Somebody asks you to t- uh, c- uh, counsel a friend, uh, a believer in Christ. And at first you hesitate and say, I don't know if I can do that. But then the Lord... Puts it upon your heart to do it. And you and you do it. And you say, I'll do it by faith. Remember, everything we do has got to be by faith, right? And so you say, I'll do it by faith. And the Lord's going to reward you for it. Uh, that you know the verse. I'm just going to read it anyway. Hebrews 11, 6. Without faith it's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God, or she who comes to God, must believe that He is, and He's a rewarder, of those who diligently seek Him. So please keep that little principle in mind that God's going to reward your faith. When you do something maybe you've never done before, and you know this is what God wants you to do, and you step out in faith and you say, Lord, with your help, I'll do it, God's going to reward you for doing that. Um, please keep that principle in mind, it's very important. Same time, that lack of faith in the Lord can bring the anger of the Lord. And uh, that's not so good. Now, here's a verse that um, is interpreted different ways. And sometimes you'll see a verse done that way. Obviously, God's anger is provoked by the sinful deeds of the people of Israel. Many times the Lord had to rebuke the people of Israel because they wouldn't trust Him. I I found one verse. um, It's Psalm 106, verse 29. 106, verse 29. I'm turning there and I'll... Read it to you, one o six twenty nine, which says, "They provoked the Lord to anger with their deeds, and the plague broke out among them." Whoa, <laughs> yeah, the Lord sent a plague to the people of Israel because they wouldn't obey Him. Because they remember when the Lord gave them the law. Uh, The people said together, the whole group of the people, all that God asks of us, we will do. Wow. They didn't follow through on that, did they? Not at all, no. And many times they provoked the Lord to anger by their sin or wicked deeds. But there's a verse over in Psalm 76 and verse 10. Now here's the verse that's a little bit controversial in that there's two different translations of it. But I'm taking one translation that says this. Surely, Psalm 76, your wrath against men, now it talks about man's wrath there in some translations. Surely your wrath against men brings you praise. And the survivors of your wrath are restrained. In other words, God is completely justified when He shows His anger and uh, judges in righteous anger. And also, what God does is always for the benefit of people. We we really need to keep that in mind. All, what God does is always for the benefit of people. However, there are times when people complain about against the Lord. Remember the children of Israel? Remember the Lord gave them manna? Now I don't know what that manna tasted like, but you remember how the Bible describes it? In fact, they called it manna, which in the Hebrew means what is it? Remember, and it, to me, I, I thought it looked like nice biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I, but it couldn't have been bad, right? But of course, they had it time after time, and they said, "Well, we want meat. We, we you know, back in when we were back in Egypt, yeah, when we were slaves, um, we had meat. We don't have meat now." And so the Lord said, I'll give you meat. You want meat? I'll give you meat. And you know what he did to give them meat. Um, They complained against the Lord. That's recorded in Numbers chapter 11. And that got the Lord angry as well. Keep in mind again, when you think of this, God's anger is always justified and his acts of anger uh, are always for the overall benefit of his people. And you say, hey, do you have a verse to support that? Well, we have a verse that people use all the time, and it's Jeremiah 29.11. It's marked in many people's Bibles, which says, uh, 29.11, the Lord says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, they're thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Boy, oh boy, what a verse. And I have heard people say, well, that's for Israel. Well, you apply Scripture. That's for people who live in fellowship with God. Yes, that was direct. The Interpretation-wise, that's for the people of Israel. But for the believer who's in fellowship, the Lord says to you and I this morning, He says, I know the plans that I have for you, the thoughts that I have for you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. I thought it was interesting. I found this out too. That is nine times in the Old Testament that the Bible says God is... Slowed anger. In other words, he's not just up in heaven looking down to see when we make a mistake and ready to jump on us. That's not God. He's a God of compassion. And uh, if for some reason you might say, and you might need to pray with a brother and sister in Christ. I've had believers call me and say, you know, uh, I, I really feel Satan's been on my back this week. Uh, things have been very difficult in my life. And you pray with a brother or sister who's gone through something like that. But the Lord sometimes allows trials in the life because doesn't the text of Scripture say whom the Lord loves, he chastens? And so if I feel, you know, there's something happening in my life and it may be the Lord trying to speak to me, uh, you you communicate with God, so you can do that on your own. You communicate with God and say, "Lord, am I having this trial now because of something in my life that You don't want there?" That's a good way to pray and talk to the Lord uh, when you feel there's a trial in your experience. So uh, God's love, uh, God's anger is always out of love, and and um, His discipline is always out just quickly now. Uh, let's talk a little bit about man's anger. And uh, in fact, I'm going to give you right at the top, so that if the rapture takes place, you'll have the answer right now to man's anger. It could happen right soon. It really could. It really, really could. I use um, I, and I jotted down James 5. Pardon me, Galatians 5:16. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Obviously, when there's an outburst of unrighteous anger, well, in that passage that John read for us this morning, preceding that, it said that outbursts of unrighteous anger, now I'm interpreting the phrase, comes from the flesh, from a life of a person without God in control. That's what the flesh is. God's not in control. So we need to be real careful. So, you know what I get out of this? I get get a reminder for myself. Be real careful when you get mad at somebody. And all of us do sometimes. Be real careful, though. Be slow to anger. So that we don't say things that we shouldn't say. Or plan to do things that we shouldn't do. There's two kinds of anger. Appropriate or inappropriate. Righteous or unrighteous. Remember... James 1.19 says that the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. In other words, your wrath or my wrath towards someone who may be, which may be very caustic will not necessarily smooth the whole situation out so that the righteousness of God is seen in the situation. That's what the text is saying. Okay? So I'm saying I need to be very careful. I need to be very careful. Just quickly, um, an example of justifiable anger, if I ask you that, uh, you would probably say something like, well, with the Lord Jesus, when he drove the money changers out of the temple, I mean, they were robbing the people blind. Uh, they were charging too much for the sacrifices. They were charging too much for money exchange. And Jesus knew it. And he drove them out of the temple. And... Uh, That's what we call righteous indignation. There's another one we were studying, the book of Mark. And uh, you remember the uh, Pharisees and religious leaders tried to always accuse Jesus of doing something wrong. And he never did anything wrong, even close to doing something wrong. But they tried to cause him to say something or do something that would cause him to have uh, disrespect from the people or disrespect their Um, problems with the government. And so Jesus on the Sabbath day went into an area where there was a man with a deformed hand. And the religious leaders said, ah, we probably got him now because he's going to heal that man on the Sabbath day and he's breaking the Sabbath. From their interpretation, did he break the Sabbath? Absolutely not. The Sabbath was made for man. Yes, the Sabbath was made for worshiping God, but God's not... um, unrighteous and not uncompassionate. So Jesus saw this man with a withered hand and uh, what's really interesting, it says in the text in Mark 3 5 that Jesus looked around at the Pharisees with anger. He was angry that they're just ready to pounce on him because he's going to heal a man who really wanted to be healed who had a very withered hand. Very interesting to see. Righteous indignation, justifiable anger. We see it in the Lord Jesus Christ. Unrighteous anger? If you were to pick one, you would probably say, hey, well, let's go back in the Old Testament. Let's start with Cain. You remember, Cain brought an offering to the Lord. Abel brought an offering to the Lord. I'm not going to move and budge on this. They both knew what kind of offering they were to bring. They were to bring a blood sacrifice. Okay. But Cain brought the labor of his hands. He brought a, uh, the fruit of the land. And when the Lord did not accept or show respect, the, the uh, New King James text says, to Cain's offering, the text of Scripture says he became very angry, very angry at the Lord, at God. So this reminds me again. Uh, when situations are, arise, um And there's anger that comes into our lives. We have to first of all determine. Is it righteous or unrighteous? And secondly. I think we need to realize. uh, That we need to check ourselves. Because Ephesians 4.26 says. Be angry and sin not. So if there's something. Let's go back again. If there's something out here. Somebody's hurting you or hurting somebody you love, and you say, I, "I, this is righteous. I'm right to be angry to that situation, or to that individual. Then I've got to take that to the Lord. You see, because what the Lord's going to be asking me to do, with those who even don't want forgiveness, don't miss this now, even for those who don't want forgiveness, God wants us to have a forgiving spirit. Again, Jesus is our example. On the cross, what did he say? Father, forgive them for they... They don't really know what they're doing. They don't really understand that Jesus, the Messiah, was on the cross, the Son of God, who is dying for their sins and they're saying, away with them. Uh, Crucify Him. If He's really the Son of God, let Him come down from the cross. But Jesus had a forgiving spirit toward them. The other thing, a couple more things real quickly, and we'll close in prayer. Ephesians 4:26 says, "Be angry and sin not, and don't let the sun go down on your wrath." And so if, if we're mad at somebody, we got the sun down. <laughs> so when that sun goes down, what am I supposed to do? Have a give, forgiving spirit, right? Um, isn't it easy to not take that literally? So you get mad at somebody and then you're mad one day and then you're mad the next day. And God says, wait a minute, you're my child. You're a new creature in Christ. And you have the Holy Spirit living within you. So then when sundown comes, if you can work on it, as much as lies within you, live at peace with all men. But if you can't, and by the way, I love that verse too. Um, I didn't know if I wrote that one down. But as much as lieth in you, uh, live at peace with all men. Now, it says as much as it's possible for you to do it. Because there are some people who, don't forget this too, don't want peace. Don't want your forgiveness. Don't want your involvement. Don't want anything. But for us as believers, we need to have the compassion of Christ. You see, for those who really get angry and do things out of anger, you can mark it down. There's not the control of God on their lives. And when you hear these heinous crimes on the news, night after night, killing and rape and immorality, you say, what's going on? You know the answer to that. God's not there at all. In fact, there's spiritual warfare and demonic forces who can get a hold of people and cause them to do horrific things in the sight of God? Very, very true. I'm going to mention these. A couple more things. We'll close in prayer. What are the sources or the causes of anger? There's basically four that people mention. One is hurt. When someone hurts you, you become angry. Second one's injustice. When you feel something's not right, that's not right, not fair. The third one is fear. When there's a change in circumstances that cause you to fear about your future, that may cause you to get angry, especially if there are those who contributed to the change that you're having in your life. And then fourth is frustration. When your efforts to accomplish something uh, are hindered in a great way, you're trying to get something done. And somebody hinders that, that in turn can bring. So there's four major, there are other things. But these are major causes or sources of anger. I had a little note too after studying anger this week. You know, anger, again, I'll close with the closing points. It's not always wrong. But you know what? Please keep this in mind. We need compassion here. Anger towards God is always wrong. He's a God of love and compassion and righteousness. And if there are some things that we don't understand, and I've prayed with people, believe me, I have prayed with people who have gone through trials much greater than I've ever experienced in my life. Real trials and tragedies. And they don't understand why God... But I'll tell you what, God is a righteous God and the Word of God says that He is righteous and He's slow to anger and He abounds in loyal love. And that's in Psalm 103, verse 8. God is compassionate. He's merciful and righteous. He's slow to anger and He's abounding in loyal love. And in that a Psalm right near there, I found this verse and I was just going through the passage. Psalm 86, 7. In the day of trouble, the Lord says, uh, uh, the psalmist said, In the day of trouble I will call upon you and you will answer me. You know, if you find yourself in a very difficult situation, time of trouble, and you may have to do it alone. You may not have another brother or sister in Christ. Now, we always say, after a service, if you want prayer, come over to the prayer room. We'd love to pray with you. But sometimes you go through things alone, and nobody's there to pray with you. Nobody's there to put their arm around you and say, Look, I know you're going through a deep trial, and you've been unjustly hurt. What do you do? We go to the Lord. The Lord says, in fact, the psalmist said, In the day of trouble, I will call upon you, Lord, and not only will you hear me, but you will answer me. And, boy, that's an awesome thing to know. So, again, then, the um, the subject of uh, anger. Well, how do we have victory? We have victory over anger as well as any other sin in our lives through the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. Reckon yourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God. Victory over sin comes when we yield ourselves totally to the Lord. If we're tempted to be unrighteous in our anger and to get so mad at somebody, I'm not talking to you again. I can't tell you how many times in the last year I heard somebody say, oh yeah, these people we know, this family member we know, we don't talk. It's not good. It's not what God wants. We talk. We communicate. All right, let's do the closing points. Principles with regards to dealing with anger. Number one, Determine whether your anger is appropriate or inappropriate. Justified or unjustified. That's number one. If we stop there, that's a good point. It really is. So i got to determine. Me. I'm angry, I get angry. Somebody gets me angry. Is it right for me to be angry? You say, where do you get that from? I get it from the Lord and Jonah. Remember Jonah? The Lord made a plant to come up and it shaded him. Boy, it was just like having air conditioning in Texas. I mean, Jonah, Jonah's shaded. And then the Lord came along and he took the plant away. And Moses, and Jonah became very angry. And the Lord said to Jonah, Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? Because that plant was taken away and the sun's beating down on you now? Aren't there 120,000 people in that city who need to hear about my love? Wow. Boy, that's a beauty. So... Is my anger justified or unjustified? Secondly, if it is appropriate, I need to take it to the Lord and seek peace and forgiveness towards the offender. If it's appropriate and there's someone who is offended, doesn't that say doesn't the Bible say that in Matthew 18? You go towards those who have offended you, take the initiative. And then allow the Lord to work it out. You say, remember we talked about someone who doesn't want to be resolved, doesn't want reconciliation, and those people are there. Then you have to go to, if I call it that, plan B. But don't let it hinder your relationship with God. And then the last point, when you think of uh, man's anger. First one, determine if it's appropriate or not appropriate. Secondly, if you determine it's appropriate, then you have to seek the peace of God in your life and forgiveness from the offender or wherever forgiveness needs to be involved. And thirdly, the third one's real easy. Remember it says in Romans 12:19, Do not take vengeance yourselves. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. So in many situations, what God wants us to do, and probably some of you could give testimony, that you've had to step back out of the way and allow the Lord to, to deal in someone else's life you've had to literally step back and oh you could have you could have done some things That look I could make some phone calls and I can but you step back and you say Lord this person has unjustly done something and so you say Lord would you please work out your vengeance in that person's life so the third principle is never seek vengeance on anyone leave it to the Lord